friends, welcome to God on Tap. And as always, I'm Nika Spaulding. And you heard me in the intro to Second John, which is really an intro to both Second and Third John. So if you're just picking up here, uh, go back and listen to that because it'll give you an idea of like the context of Third John, that this is a letter being circulated. And so we're going to jump into the content of Third John today. But just want to, on the front end of this, as a pastoral note, to say this is the first podcast I've recorded since the. COVID-19 virus has been declared a pandemic. I'm currently recording this from my bedroom, um, making do with a, a box that is that once was full of toilet paper and is stuffed with two pillows and trying to make sure my dog and my cat don't fight. And so what I'm describing to y'all is probably a reality for many of you or you're wrangling kids or you're looking for jobs. And, and so... Um, these podcasts are something that I'm doing as my way to contribute. I, uh, and you'll hear me talk about hospitality in this letter, but just on a pastoral front, I just want to remind everybody that Jesus is still very much on his throne, that we serve a triune God, a God that is sovereign and good, and that he repurposes brokenness and declares that he brings good out of the evil that we're enduring now. And so, um, persevere friends and where you can contribute and this is my small penance my small it's not a penance but my my small contribution into the ethos of the world of goodness because this is something I do and so I decided to piggyback up in the midst of this and so yeah so that's my rambling way of saying if nobody's told you today that they love you God loves you and he sees you and he hears you even in the midst of suffering so he's with you and for you all right well, uh, we're going to finish out Third John, which means we're going to be finishing out the letters of John, which only took me about 400 years to finish. And so uh, I think that's pretty good and if you're extending a ton of grace. And so we're going to finish out Third John. Like I mentioned, Second and Third John are very similar books. So the intro to Second John, which was two episodes ago, would give you the same very similar intro to Third John. So what we're going to do today is just jump right into the letters so we don't beat a dead horse here. And I'm going to read it. We're going to talk about really the three things that are kind of going on in this letter. And, and I want you to just, as I get ready to read it, it's all about hospitality. That's what these letters have been. And so we're going to continue to see that. And then we'll talk about what can hospitality look like in the midst of a global pandemic. And so, um, yeah, so let me read this. Sorry about that noise right then and there. That was my email. So let me quit that program. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, what is this, amateur hour? All right, here we go. I'm a little rusty. Here we go. This is the letter of Third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do all, excuse me, is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. 
So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want and who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. And this is the word of the Lord. Uh, This letter is, like I said, it's wrapping up. It, it is truly a letter. So it has all the markings of an ancient letter, which is there's this to section and it's from the elder and sort of all the formalities that you have for a letter. And it's really accomplishing three big things. And they're all and it's still doing the same thing that you see John do. He is, again, the consummate pastor. And so the first four verses is he's he's in, he's like commending Gaius because Gaius has been walking in the truth. It's the classic letter greetings. It's a it's a really beautiful thing. And that walking in the truth there is something that John does often where he pairs obedience, truth, love. Like, right. We saw this with the moral tests, the social tests and the theological tests like this idea that for John obedience as well as love as well as as knowing the truth those things go hand in hand and so he's he's commending guys for doing that for walking in the truth and and most likely the walking in the truth is is evidenced by the fact that he's being incredibly hospitable which is what verses five through eight do so the first four is normal letters I commend you I'm so proud of you just such a sweet thing to hear from your pastor. And then five through eight is commending Gaius for his hospitality, which is the evidence that he is walking in the truth. Hey, you say you love God. If you love God, then you also love others. Evidence that you love others is that you have been welcoming these itinerant ministers who go out into the world. And we've, we talked about that in the last letter that in the ancient world, there's no hotels. And so all these people who are going out And we see this in in like Paul through the book of Acts, right? He goes out and he navigates the ancient world. He has to trust that the believers in all of these towns will welcome him. And so that's exactly what we see here is that John is is commending Gaius, the leader of this church in his area for having done that very thing. So first four verses, great job, buddy. Verses five through eight, this is the kind of hospitality. I love that you're welcoming these folks. And then verses nine through 12, he is denouncing Diotrephes, which I'm just like, bro, I mean, can you imagine like being inhospitable in the ancient world and then finding out that John put it in a letter and then finding out that letter became a part of the canon of scripture and then finding out that for 2000 years people mispronounce your name and they think you're a butthead? Uh, not exactly, not exactly uh, what I would want to happen to me. Also can't help but notice not a lot of little kids named Diotrephes running around. So uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's not the best thing. And most likely what is happening here is um, there's speculation, right? We don't know exactly what it means when he says he puts himself first and all of that. Most likely, though, what it is is he's refusing to receive the believers. He's, he's being inhospitable, and he is telling the people of his church, don't welcome them. And chances are this is because there was jockeying for position in the ancient world. And so like any 
good endeavor that starts out as time goes on, what can happen is people then want to be the number one. And so some commentators believe that's what's happening is Diotrephes doesn't want John to be the grand poobah. He kind of wants himself. And so when John says, hey, welcome these people, Diotrephes is like, don't tell me what to do. Shove it, old man. And that's what, and again, that's speculative, but that's what they think is going on. Although I happen to think y'all when it says, and I'm going to read this again, where he's like, he's talking wicked nonsense. Like that is so New Englander. It reminds me of that commercial where all those actors and the actresses who are from New England, it's like Captain America and then John Krasinski and then that hilarious comedian, of course I'm blanking on her name, where they're like wicked, it, it wicked backups and all, I'm like clearly don't have a New England accent, but I just, I love that. He's talking wicked nonsense against us. Uh, and so Diotrephes, cut it out, man. Uh, and then, and then, and then they also, he commends Demetrius to him. And so the three big things that are happening here is it's a letter of friendship to Gaius. He's affirming him. You can see John's pastoral heart. I love it when my children walk in the truth. He's using that pastoral language that he has consistently used. And again, John is, he's the one, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't pull punches. He's very much always contrasting good, bad, right, left, light, darkness, and so this commendation is it's one of those examples of the goodness of this pastor who's saying, hey, you're doing the hospitable thing, and I want to commend you for that. Because being hospitable in the ancient world was costly, right? You had to use your own provision. You had to, um, you're also doing, tr I mean, you have to be, you're, you're trusting based on the recommendation of a stranger. He tells him, these people were strangers to you. And you know, if somebody called me, like if my head pastor picked up the phone, he's like, hey, Nikes, uh, I have some friends that are coming into town. Um, can they stay in your house? Like, if you think about that, like, of course, because I trust my pastor and, and because I, I, I really do believe, like, I, he is a good man. I believe he's a good judge of character. I would do it. But there's a risk inherent in that, right? Like, what if those people come and then they leave and you're like, um, I can't help but notice my very nice bronze statue of a cat is missing. And you know, I don't know where else they would go. Or even just, hey, would you host them? That, you know, that requires me cleaning my house and making sure the sheets are changed and buying some extra food and making sure that I share all that I have. And so like, and, and I live in a time of abundance in the ancient world. Wealth was, was something that, you know, very few had. And you're asking these Christian churches to, to give, and so it, it's a really beautiful, so that's the first part of his letter, is this really beautiful pastoral letter to guys. Then you have a commendation of Demetrius, and this is exactly what we see. Hey, John's saying, hey, the guy bringing you this letter, the one who's carrying the letter, Demetrius, I vouch for him. I got him. So bring him in, love him well. And then, of course, the last part is the warning against Diotrephes, you little punk. Uh, so what's our big so up for this? Well, it's a one, I think John is continuously showing us this this linkage between obedience, truth, and love, the moral, the social, and the, the theological litmus test. I keep saying theological, and I know that's not what it is. So hold on. I'm going to flip back in my notes here. Sorry for that sound. It's, oh, um, it's moral. You guys, bear with. Moral, social, doctrinal. Thank you. I just said thank you, and I'm thanking myself. That was awkward. Moral, social, doctrinal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we talked, we covered that at length in the first John. But for John, for the for the author John, he sees those three as holding hands. That for a Christian, that there is going to be a, a moral part, which is this obedience. There's a social part, which means that we're going to love our neighbors, and a doctrinal part that we're going to believe truth. And we see that continuing on even in this letter to Third John, where he's talking about walking in the truth. And so that's a big so what for us is that 
John in the very end, even in his, you know, as he's writing this letter to Gaius, he's continuing to put these ideas forward. But I think the big idea from second and third John is hospitality. That it is costly, that it is commendable when you do it, and that it is absolutely detrimental when you don't, as we see with diatrophies. So what's our so what for us then living in 2020? I'm recording this in March 2020. And when I and I'm not this is this if I were recording this any other time and I said we are in a global pandemic, it would be hyperbole. Right. I mean, but it's not. It's a literal global pandemic that I am recording this in. And so what's a person, how do we apply a text that talks about hospitality in the midst of a pandemic where literally the way that we save others and serve others is to be away from them? Uh, I think it's a good question. And I think it's one that is a great example of how scripture is timeless, that there's these, uh, you know, universal theological principles from the text that the scripture was profitable then, like it was at the end of the first century, then it should still be profitable now because God's word is inspired, which means God breathes it out to us and it's profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training up in righteousness. If we believe that, and we have said that all along, that's why I'm continuing to teach an ancient document. So is there value today? And what do we do with a book that God has said, this is a short, tiny little letter. I mean, it's it's 14 little verses that John wrote to Gaius, that God in his infinite wisdom and goodness 2,000 years ago says, hey, I know that this is just a rinky-dink letter in many of your eyes, but I would like it preserved for generations to come so that someday somebody in the year 2020 is going to study this book and they're going to have to figure out how then do I take this beautiful and good word, what do I learn about God, what do I learn about myself, and what do I learn about how to walk in obedience in this letter? And that is that is the crux of Christian instruction, is that it should lead us to worship and we should find an application for us today. That we should never dismiss scripture and go, oh, it has absolutely no bearing on my life today. That is, that is just simply not true. And that's lazy exegesis. So what is a bearing for us today? Well, I think hospitality in a pandemic means one of the most loving things that we can do is to stay home. So I think that's an obvious and first one. Secondly, I think God in his infinite wisdom has given us technology like Zoom and Google Hangouts and things like that. And I know that each of us in our lives probably have people who are more isolated now than they've ever been. And so I I know for me, I live a very privileged life. I know many of my friends are healthy. I know many of them are financially able to weather this quite well, or at least so far. Of course, everything's changing by the minute. But I also know that there are people in my life that if I really got out my phone, and I looked, there's the elderly, there's the widowed, there's the divorcee, there's um, the people who are living alone, there's the people who are suffering, there's the people, and, and I believe that God has given us investments to be hospitable. And it's going to be costly, it's gonna cost us time, it's gonna cost us energy, that we live in a world where we are burdened by grief right now. I know that every time I look at the news, I am grieving. That's so many times I think we don't even have the emotional toolbox to name what we're feeling. And so let me help you guys. Some of what you're feeling right now is lament and grief, and it is good and right to feel it. Read the passages of lament in the scriptures. Cry out to God and use that extra energy you have to reach out to those people who are isolated. That's part of how we show hospitality. I think another way that we can show hospitality is by being very intentional where we spend our money in the days ahead. 
that many of us will be eating at home, and rightfully so, to maintain the, the healthy social distancing. Or it, I've heard many people say don't call it social distancing, call it like physical distancing and social connection. I, I want to use terms that are helpful here, but I think people know the social distancing language. So that's why I'm using it. But, but we can be intentional about where we spend our money and, and how we can be generous in this time. So here's our final big so what. I really thought I'd already recorded Third John. And so I've been looking through my files today and could not find it. And I have my notes from when I studied it like two months ago. I, I don't know if I ever did record it and just didn't hit record, which frankly is a problem I have. But I'm glad I did it. Because one of the things that I'm seeing right now is um, some leaders are saying things like, it's important that we also keep the economy intact, that how do we value human life over the economy? Or can we sacrifice some lives for the sake of the economy? Or, you know, there's just not enough money to go around, so how are we going to do this? Friends, no. Part of why Christians are able to be hospitable is because we believe that the kingdom of God is one of abundance. That when God created this world and everything in it, he did so with a desire to provide and to care for his people, that the scriptures tell us in the Old Testament there should never be any poor among us. And the reason why God can command that is because he has promised an abundance through the land and through through his own provision. We have seen him literally rain food from heaven. We've seen his son multiply in God's kingdom. There is no limit. The scriptures are also very clear that the reason why we then have the poor among us and we have those who suffer around us is because we have chosen the path of greed and we have chosen the path of hoarding. And I realize I'm telling you all this in the middle of a pandemic, and I don't know your personal situation. So if you just lost your job, I grieve with you. And, I, and I'm not. You need to make the decisions you need to make to financially be in a safe place. But for, for people who have an abundance now, generosity should not decrease in these times. But generosity and hospitality should come from, from a deep-seated belief that God has an abundant kingdom. And so when we see the world suffering and we see that there is people that are losing their jobs and we see economic downturn, then this is an opportunity for us to digitally display hospitality by giving to organizations that are, pe- that are feeding the poor and the elderly, giving to organizations that are on the front line, sending out money to people who are in need right now, considering where our money goes, because it is a lie. It is a lie to believe that we have to choose between life and prosperity. That the reality is, is that if we would all be generous and forsake greed, that there would always be enough. And I get it. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken system. We can't, one, each one of us can't fix it all, but we can do our part. And so I think Third John speaks to us today as a letter that says hospitality is so important for the kingdom of God. And in 2020, we've got to ask ourselves in the midst of a pandemic, how then can I be generous and hospitable. And I believe that you all are far more creative than I am. I gave you some ideas, but goodness gracious, you guys are are so much more creative and beautiful and wonderful. And frankly, the spirit is in you, dwelling in you, and you know the needs of your community and you know the needs of the people around you. And so I will just say this, go and walk in the truth. Be generous, be hospitable, show people that you serve a God who is a God of abundance. And that fear and anxiety are real and we manage them, but they don't get to control our generosity and our hospitality. We will fight those things as we continue to give out of the abundance because we believe that God can replenish storehouses.
We believe that God can do mighty things. And so we're hospitable, and we give out because we know he always can give more. All right, friends. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. But way more importantly, God does. The God who has an infinite supply. So let's cry out to him and then have eyes to see those he would have us serve and be hospitable to in this season. Peace.